1: pretty awesome experience it really is to chase something so long and to want something so bad and it finally happens then
0: what do you have trouble physically making it through long hunts is your dog always giving you that angry look telling you to keep up train your dog but now it's time to train yourself Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong is the company for any hunter that is looking for an effective fitness routine to get healthier and be able to hunt longer and harder. This company has merged fitness and the passion of hunting to help people like you and me continue to do what we love. From the Rockies to the Smokies and every field or prairie in between, this company can get you ready to go longer, cover more ground, and recover quicker. Go to RockyMountainHuntStrong.com and see their program for yourself. Use the discount code GDIY to save 15% and get to work. Train harder, hunt stronger, and recover faster. Welcome back for another week of GDIY. What's up, Austin?
2: Oh, here to ready to talk about the trip of a lifetime with our new guest this
0: week. Trippin', man. Trippin', trippin' that big trip. We're joined this week with Kevin Shellnut. He's uh He's just outside of Atlanta, and he took a trip of a lifetime that I think a lot of uh, hunters and bird dog owners just dream of doing. Yeah, Kevin went to um, northern Wisconsin
2: and hunted some rough grouse and woodcock, bounced over to Minnesota, did that for a few weeks, same thing, grouse and woodcock, then decided to buy a puppy, picked up a puppy. That puppy led him to buy a GPS collar in North Dakota where he hunted, and then somehow he ended up in Nebraska and Kansas after that.
0: <laughs> he was all over the place. It was on awesome. This one. He
2: goes into detail about everything. Um mm. we, we actually broke this one up into two episodes. Uh, Because it was uh, a very long, extensive
0: trip, and we wanted to go over quite a few things. Even, I mean, this trip was so heavy and long that we didn't even get to cover everything in two episodes. Yeah. So, uh, we really enjoyed it, and I mean, hell, I would love to do a trip like that one day myself. Yeah. One day, that's the dream. So, So, yeah, if you guys are interested in looking at his entire trip, you know, after you listen to the episode or before or whatever, you just want to check out some pictures, uh, you can find Kevin on uh, Facebook, Kevin Shellnut. but his uh, trip page was actually under his dog's name, and he's a Drot guy, so he has one of those fun Drot names. <laughs> I'm going to let you do this one. <laughs> We're going to butcher the hell out of this. <laughs> Carbon vom Harenboden. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn German. Uh, but, yeah, so I don't expect you to know how to spell that. So you can try just looking up Carbon Vom, but we'll tag him in all the posts like we normally do. So if you're interested in checking out his amazing trip and adventures, uh, yeah, just be sure to click on that and give him a follow and and look at some of the amazing pictures and everything that he he did because he, he d- pretty much documented this entire trip. And we're talking from... The 1st of October, pretty much all the way through, yeah,
2: beginning of December. So, yeah, Thanksgiving, we'll say. So, I mean, a lot of content on the Facebook page, and uh, like I said, he goes through a bunch of it during this
0: podcast. Yeah, and... It's real interesting, you know, dog-wise, you know, he works his dogs a little different than what a lot of people might. He's not real big on the testing or titles or breeding. He's just, he's got his dog and he hunts. And uh, his training, you know, it he lets the birds teach him. He doesn't do a whole lot of interaction and, and uh, teaching the dog. He, he lets the birds teach the dogs and they come along natural. So it's kind of interesting to to hear his point of view on that.
2: Yeah, one thing, um, before you start listening to this first episode, there was a little bit of a connection issue that was uh, a, kind of a sporadic thing in probably the first zero to ten minutes, I would say. Yeah, and, it kind of
0: clears up and gets better, but bear with us, because yeah. there, there was a little bit of a connection issue, and uh, yeah, it, it it goes away and gets a little bit better as you go along.
2: Yep, so everybody buckle up and uh, get ready to listen to this. Well, first off, we have
0: an Instagram giveaway. We Of course we do, of course. As always, we have something else. Austin's trying to rush us through everything. (laughs) no, dude. (laughs) Tell them what's up. We have the Rocky Mountain uh, and Shotgun Dog Coffee giveaway on Instagram right now. We're going to announce it on New Year, so don't miss your chance to follow the directions on that and enter for your chance for a free personal training uh, program. He works it around your schedule, your equipment, uh, your goals, everything. So, you know, it doesn't matter what you have. He's going to make it work for you, and it's really neat. It's it's an app. He he has videos to show you exactly how to do it. He coaches you while you're in the middle of it. A few exercises, you know, there's been a couple times on some exercises I'm in the middle of it, and, you know, he'll leave a comment while I'm freaking doing it in, in the workout, you know, giving me shit because I'm weak or something. But uh, – in seriousness, guys, it's, uh, if you want want a chance at that, go go look at that. It's a lot of good stuff. You get some coffee. You you have a chance for the pr- program shirts, hats, all that fun stuff. And then uh, we're also doing just a a free personal training giveaway for our Patreon users as well. So if you want another shot and better odds of winning, check that out. Yep instagram guys it's the it's an instagram
2: giveaway so don't go on facebook and put follow the stuff on facebook (laughs) that's been happening a little bit go on instagram
0: we have the post on facebook saying it's an instagram giveaway just follow the directions but it's it's only on instagram and for our patreon users so check that out and we hope you enjoy this podcast and everybody have a great christmas be safe traveling Enjoy your families. If you're hunting, be safe, and uh, we'll check back with you next week. All right. See y'all. If you're looking for new apparel that works better for you in the field, be sure to check out the amazing products at Duck Camp. They're a direct-to-consumer company that prides itself in producing high-quality gear for every type of outdoorsman, including wing shooters. Unlike your shooting, their upland shirts are a can't miss. They're available in different weights to make sure you get what you need on your hunt. Check them out through the link on our website, gundogatyourself.com, and if you purchase something, please be sure to tell them GDIY sent you. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double-wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions, Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you can need from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, and even tie down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to GunDogItYourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to GDIY, and uh, the, Nick and Austin here with you as always, and we're joined with Kevin Shelnut. Uh Kevin, where are you coming from tonight?
1: Georgia. Uh, about 30 minutes east of Atlanta. Born and raised, um, well, actually, I was born in Tampa, Florida, but my dad was in the Air Force, and but our home's always been
2: in Loganville. Well, good deal. So um, we started following you back in, I think, October when you kicked off your bird season uh, this year and, and followed your story, and that's what got us interested in wanting to uh, talk to you. So, you know, I, I guess to kind of kick this off, why don't you uh, – start talking to us about what type of breed of dog you have and why you decided to go with that and and then we'll get into the trip
1: two and a half year old drothar named carbon he come from Rhonda wiley higher ground drothars he's a product of my daughter wanting a dog i've owned two drothars before him uh, both females and i love the breed and both of them. Uh, one of them had deceased probably two years ago. Carla, she was my first trot.
3: and then, um, then we got Maggie. Um, I think Maggie's thirteen now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so
1: my bird hunting season slowed down significantly as Maggie got older. Well, Kayla came to me wanting a German Shepherd for. I don't know what reason, but she said <laughs> that the dog was going to stay with her all the time, right? Well, I knew with a high school senior, about this senior, that she wasn't in, about to go to college, so she wasn't going to be home much longer, so I knew who was going to inherit the dog. So I said, no, I'm not buying another dog that or a dog that doesn't hunt. So she knew my weak spot was a drought, so... Thing you know, I'm on an airplane going to Murray to pick up this little puppy. Um, <laughs> we met Rhonda at the gate of the airport. Come right through security with Carla. Uh, we turned around and got back on the same plane. We flew to Kansas City on because Kayla she um she rides for the Auburn Equestrian Team. She's in college full time.
3: So
0: awesome.
1: I guess I'm her full time dog trainer slash caretaker.
0: <laughs> got a pretty good little setup there. So
2: is Carbon, is <laughs> yes, Carbon, is he from the same, or is she from the same uh, breeder as your, your previous droughts?
1: Uh No, Carbon, he's um, he's from, like I said, higher ground droughts in Missouri. My other two come from Forrest Moore, which is local to me. He's probably two hours south of me in Troop County. He um, owned Von Moorhaus kennel. Uh, Forrest was a big draught guy, probably back in the, I'd say 90s, early 2000s, he was a, he put out a lot of puppies and a lot of really good dogs come out of Forrest Kennel. Um, Forrest was really a hands-on guy. He did a lot of training and stuff for the puppy owners that bought puppies from him and stuff like that. He really promoted the sport or the breed really, really well. Um, And my first dog was a year and a half. Um. when I bought her from forest she was she was ineligible to breed because of her teeth she, um her teeth she had an underbite, so it automatically disqualified her but me personally I've never been a um I've never done it to get into breeding I've done it because I wanted a dog that could do everything um where we hunt is swamp bottoms and i mean. Open fields. I never know what, I mean, if I get a quail dog here, I want myself to death. Yeah. But I wanted a dog to, I mean, before I even find a quail. Um, so we run into rabbits. We run into um, hogs. on So I read an article about a dog one time that that would um, do about anything. Now that's what got me hooked on a drop.
2: And so, are you part of the um, the Southeast chapter of the VDDGNA down here, or, or do you belong to that organization at all?
1: No, uh, I, um, I was. I think I think I'm current with the VDDGNA. Yeah. Um, but I'm not a hundred percent positive. Um, like I said, I'm 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 not a test guy.
3: You're into hunting.
1: I'm a, I buy a shot because I'm a hunter.
3: There you and go.
1: I go hunting. Um, I don't want to breed them. I don't want to sell them. So I've never, I've never, pers- I have went through tests. Um, Carbon, he did real well in his VJP. Uh, well, I not want to say real well. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: There's always room for improvement, right? We could have done right? better.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And then I waited around and didn't get into. I think it's the HZP that's next or the, I don't know, but, uh, I, and I didn't get in around here. Yeah. I was going to have to travel. So I said, you know what? Um, I don't care anyway. So I didn't <laughs> travel and I didn't get him certified <laughs> like the other two that I've owned. But, um, but truly it doesn't matter to me because um, yeah. my, my plan was never intentionally to breed him anyway. It was just to hunt the fool out of him.
2: Yeah, he's a hunting machine. That's what you want. <laughs>
0: well, you mentioned. And, I, yeah, I, he's a hunting fool. I was going to say, so you mentioned that you're you, you were training carbon essentially for your daughter. Uh, kind of a, she got a free trainer out of the deal. Uh, <laughs> give everybody a quick just rundown on on your training process. What did you put carbon through for, for you to prepare him to do all the hunting that you are wanting to do?
1: Well, at first, I'm a I like basic obedience. Um, I like heel. I'm a big guy of heel. Um, when I yell heel, I want him to come to me and be beside me. I um I don't use stop. Um, I don't I don't even really use woe. Um, sometimes sometimes I'll shout out whoa. Now with Dad setter, I'll um, you know he's woe broke, but carbon. He, he hunts so close um and when we're in big cover so i watch him um i'm not a real big bird guy like um like these traditional guys so i'm not real big on the a stickler on
3: the you know on the process of how all that you know but for fetch um
1: force-fetched him, um, all his basic obedience, and then caught a few Well, We went once to a a preserve and put out
3: probably 20, 30
1: birds and hunted with some kids with him when he was little. Um, But basically just keeping him in wild birds. Um, I try to stay in Kansas as much as I can just to keep him out in the field. And um, he learns a lot. I try to encourage it along the way, but you know it's basically just all pretty much instinct
0: with him. That's, and that's really interesting. How I, so? So most people, you know, they'll do the woe break and everything, but your your carbon is mm-hmm. true and true. Just kind of broke on wild birds, and you you kind of let him yep. figure it out and work work alongside you. So d- did yep. you? focus on steadiness at all on wild birds or just kind of let him figure that out as well as he went along
1: um not a whole lot i didn't um i i encourage it um every chance i get like in the wild when he points a you know single quail woodcock hold real well so i'll make him stand there you know um to tell you that if i got lost or he got lost and i didn't know where he was on point i I don't know how long he would hold that point. I wish he would hold it forever, but, um, it's just not how I hunt. Um, he, I, I, all, I'm always in contact with him with, you know, with the alpha and, um, it's just that alpha's changed everything as far as, um, used to, I would just walk in circles to try to find him. Yep. Um, you know, if he got gone, but, uh, it, that alphas made it a whole lot easier.
0: So you you mentioned that you live up in Kansas as much as possible. Uh, <laughs> so how much hunting experience did Carbon really have before you decided to take this huge undertaking of a, of a trip this year that we're going to get into?
1: He's had a pretty good bit. Um, my, his first trip to Kansas, he was seven months. Uh, I think me and Dad stayed that year, I think, two weeks and hunted pretty much every day. Uh and then I went that was in November around Thanksgiving and I went back the middle about the time of year around middle of December and stayed another week. Um and then come home and started hunting woodcocks here in the swamp bottoms of Georgia. But um and then the next year he spent probably two, three weeks around in November around um Thanksgiving, and then we spent the entire month of January in Kansas. Carbon's been—he's had a lot of exposure.
3: So,
2: how old is Carbon? Um,
1: Carbon's two and a half. Oh, this is his um third season, I should—I guess—because yeah. his first one was when he was seven and a half, and then a year and a half, and now two and a half.
2: Awesome. So. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we started following you back on uh, Facebook in October when you started documenting this long um, road trip you had planned. What I want to ask you is how long did this trip – first off, you may want to outline kind of what I'm talking about, what, what trip we're, we're about to discuss. And then how long did it take you to plan that, and was it always something that you and had planned to do with your dad?
0: Loaded question. Well <laughs> –
3: yeah,
1: <laughs> it's um, and it's it's crazy simple. Um, you know, I we started. I, I've always dad and I hunted rough grouse here at home in Georgia for probably three years, climbing mountains and chasing the unicorn. Yep. <laughs> That's the Georgia wild grouse. yeah Um, never never even heard one. Um, so Sounds we, familiar. We... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We we both had this almost undesirable urge to at least get our hand on or, or hear one anyway. Uh, so I just tried to find the densest concentration that I could get, and I said eventually we'll run into one. Um, when I started planning the trip, that um, I knew I wanted to end up in Kansas around Thanksgiving, just because Dad and I have been making that trip for probably. It's our third year now consistently. We've made it before, but uh we usually try to get out to Kansas a week before Thanksgiving and spend Thanksgiving week out there just hunting. So um I knew I wanted to end up there. So when you have to drive nineteen, twenty hours to Kansas, you might as well just go north a little bit farther and make a big loop, right?
3: Yeah.
1: So um it This year, just everyone was healthy. My wife was healthy. Um, my business was healthy. Um, I have, I had a, I got a good guy that could run all what I got going on here. So I was just fortunate enough at that moment to say, you know what, now I can go. And I just threw it together to, um, probably a month and a half ahead of time. And Dad retired for probably three years ago, I believe. Um, so he's always ready to go anywhere I want to go. This is, and Dad's sixty-nine now, um, and you know, I mean, age is age is coming. So I, we just figured, you know, now it's time to go. Let's go. So we just drove north, and uh, we stopped in the Cabela's and. Started shopping for just miscellaneous stuff. I needed a duck choke and some other things, and met a guy who told us he grew up up in Stanley, or I think it's Howells.
0: This is up in H-I-L-L-E-S. Wisconsin, then.
1: Yep, that's in Wisconsin, and he said he grew up there. He was an active duty um, Air Force guy, and so dad was Air Force guy. So we just all started talking and hit it off real well, and. He told us his dad owned the hotel up there, and next thing you know, we were headed that way um all my vacations, my wife and I've been flying out west every year for since in the early two thousands, and we just fly we just land and we don't really plan anything. we just rent a car and fly with as much camp and stuff as we can go with, and just pick a spot on the map and that's pretty much what me and dad did um this whole trip it's just just we would meet someone, and they would tell us, "Oh, you should try over there." So we would just go over there. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's better ways we could have done it, and you know, now I'm a lot smarter about it. Um, I regret severely not using the Airbnb app. Um, that was a I didn't know about. It. I'm not a tech guy, and <laughs> but <laughs> since I've been home, I've learned that. We could have found a lot more deals and stayed in a lot more places longer. Um, so, hotels get long in the tooth,
0: and so with that, it's yeah. not like you were truck camping or or campgrounds. You you were just hopping hotel to hotel in each each state. Well, um, that's another story too. Um, <laughs> we had planned to camp.
1: <laughs> we're driving a an O four expedition, right? Yeah. So. I'm a falconer, too, and I have a falconry permit for Kansas. I was going to try to trap me a, a hawk when I was in Kansas. So I had all my falconry stuff, all of our camping stuff, fish stuff, duck hunting stuff, all my upland bird hunting stuff. And we had to seriously contemplate whether to stop at a store and <laughs> get anything because we could not put anything else in that car. Um, it, it, we looked like the Beverly Hillbillies,
0: <laughs> loaded down.
1: Uh, <laughs> we're well, loaded down, but, uh we didn't camp one time. Uh, it was cold, and hotels were pretty plentiful, so we just stayed in hotels, or or we rented a house or two here and there. Um, but once we, once we got to uh, the hotel, uh, Little Pines Hotel, up in Wisconsin, we met the caretaker, um, he's a really great guy and he started pointing us out places to go and where other people hunt and stuff like that. So we just got up the next morning and went to the national forest.
0: That's how you do it. So obviously, like you mentioned, Wisconsin's your first stop and, and you got pointed in the right direction by a complete stranger that, and that's a testament to the type of people you find in this world. But real quick, before we jump into Wisconsin, just give everybody a general overview of all your targets, where you're headed in all the states and species that you're after. So just take us from, you're about to leave, what's the goals, and where you headed? Uh,
1: we left Georgia, like I said, and we're headed to Wisconsin. Wisconsin, we did uh, woodcock and rough grass, and then we moved to Minnesota and did the same. Uh, The plan was then to go on into North Dakota and hunt ducks, pretty much every upland that North Dakota has, all the huns and sharp, grouse, pheasants. Moved down. The goal then was to go into South Dakota and hunt for about a week or so and then drive to Kansas where I have a house that I stay at with a buddy. And he's only six miles from the Nebraska line, so I can jump back and forth. I I have an annual license for Nebraska and an annual license for Kansas, so we can hunt. We hunt both. We straddle the line there, Um, and then, hey, as long as business and the wife would let me, and then come on home
0: that's awesome so y'all are heading out you're planning on six states and numerous different species and uh you already answered pretty much you're just trying to milk it for all it was worth and uh yeah so i guess let's just jump on into wisconsin
2: so as far as when you got to wisconsin you said you you talked to some locals and did they point you to a specific uh national forest or anything to go to or what what did they do for you there
1: yeah they they, uh, Mike did, the owner of the Little Pines Hotel, he did, um, and I would butcher the first name if I tried, but you probably know how to say it. Uh, the last word's Nicolette and Monica the first Nicolette. word starts with a C. Yep. <laughs> yep. And it's, and to my understanding, there's two of those. Am I right? There's one. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, it's in okay. two sections. We were on the
1: Eastern. That's okay, the
0: same we one that we
1: Eastern were in. First. Yeah. Did you find birds? Did you find wild, crazy grouse too? Yeah. We, it would we, not let us get close. <laughs> that, that, there
0: were several days of that. Yeah, yeah they were pretty flighty depending okay. on the day. Yeah. We we actually passed each other in in Wisconsin after looking at the dates and everything. So you were up there pretty much the wow. same week we were. And uh, that little uh-huh. heat heat wave in the middle of the week kind of made them real flighty uh we noticed on the cooler days they were kind of staying put a little bit better for us but man in the middle of the week they were real flighty for us they wouldn't let you get anywhere close to them well that makes sense
1: i was wondering i I didn't know if it was just the area or what but it was warmer when we were on that side of the state and then we we moved from there to park falls and then we started getting in the grass. um but now the where we stayed over in the on the eastern side, when I pulled up the first morning, we um we drove we're driving down this dirt road. It's, it's it's a beautiful place. I mean that place is forever in me. I mean those those roads and those those yellow maple leaves. I mean it's just yep. a gorgeous setting. And uh, we're driving down the road and. We're in but we're in public land so I can get out anywhere I want to and I pull I see a over it in the road and a drainage that goes down through there and I pull the car over and I said, Dad, let's get out right here and we walked I didn't take twenty steps off the side of the road and carbon pointed a woodcock.
0: Um heck yeah. I think we killed three woodcocks in that first drainage. Uh was that his so, first woodcock contact ever? Of uh, no, uh,
1: we hunted them here. We hunted them here last year at home. His first woodcock ever. I remember. I don't remember his first that he pointed, but I remember the first that I shot with him and a light bulb. Like he before he would just run over them, and I wouldn't shoot them if he didn't point them. Wow. And he would just run over them, and they would flush, and I would be mad at him. Um. And then one day Maggie, my older uh, she pointed one and Carbon was off a little ways to our left or right and he come running in and the bird flushed. Well I shot the bird and carbon even got the retrieve. So from that point on it was game on with him with woodcocks. It's he instantly knew, Okay, we're hunting this. I guess. I don't I don't know how to I'm not a dog trainer, but it was like just this light bulb went off and from then on it was just game on.
0: Yeah. We've all been there to where it just takes that yeah, light bulb okay. to hit with the dog. We we've all been there. So yeah. uh take us back to Wisconsin. You get those first three woodcock twenty feet out of the truck. What was <laughs> the what was the rest of the hunting like on your first stop in Wisconsin?
1: Um the woodcocks were great. Um we would we would uh get a bag of woodcocks or woodcocks probably around before I don't want to say eight thirty, but we did that several mornings I would say before lunchtime we would have our limit of woodcock um and the whole time we're hunting for grouse that was that was my goal uh the grouse I don't I don't know that it was a similar story as to the woodcock because carbon had never smelt of a grouse or hunted a grouse, so in my mind, I'm thinking I need to knock one of these down so he can figure this out that we're not just hunting this mythical creature. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's
2: exactly how we feel. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> I'm glad to no know other people feel that way too. <laughs> um, but, and I spent probably, I don't know, I'll have to look back on my trip, but it was a good um, probably four or a week plus the season or so before in north georgia you know they just they were wild and like you said they it was a little warm and they would not they would not i had one one day that um Harvard didn't point it um it come up over a little knob and a cut over a little mound of dirt the thing was on the back side of it and as he and i both come up over it the bird flushed and shot out through the 10 year old aspen cut over and he was gone before I knew what was happening, but I did get off a shot or two, um, didn't get him. But I think all of that and that scent and me shooting, I think that gave Carvin a little bit of like, hey, you know, that, uh, I might need to I might need to start looking for that or searching for that scent. I don't know if it registered with him or not. but. Um,
2: so did you say this was just, near? We just walked
1: and, walked and walked and walked and walked and walked.
2: And was this in Park Falls, you said? No, you, you that was on. All... A now this
1: was this was over um still over in Howells okay um, and in that Nicolette on the eastern side, so when we moved to Park Falls, it was raining um that that day it rained on us we normally saved our travel days for we'd watch the weather, and um as we would stay in hotels, you know we'd hunt as long as we could, and then when these rains would come in and they've had it's been tough on them this year with all the rains they've had. Um, we would we would travel. We would try to travel on rainy days, uh, and then so it come a big storm in. So we left left there and drove up to Park Falls, grouse capital of the world.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you got to Park Falls, and uh, like you mentioned, the grouse capital of the world. Isn't that where y'all got y'all's first grouse, really? It is. It's where
1: we both got our first grouse. The that day when we when we traveled, um we we arrived in Park Falls and we waited and I got kept watching the radar and it stopped probably I don't know, probably about two o'clock or so in the afternoon and we're just driving down the highway and I see this little service road with the gate and it was all grown up. Um you know, most places are mowed down and uh, you can tell that they attract a lot of people and, you know, they park and they go in there and hunt, walk those trails. This place here was, it looked like it had been forgotten about to me. And I mean, they might be a hundred people that hunted. I have no idea, but it was, it was grown up, you know, it wasn't manic, uh, manicured, I guess I should say, like the other places that I saw. But, um, we got out of the truck right there and, we flushed six grouse within probably four hundred yards down the road.
3: Heck yeah, That's
1: um, awesome! Yeah, didn't kill one of them, but <laughs> actually seen them. Yeah, <laughs> got a lot closer to them than than what we thought, um, than what we had before. But um, and then we—I don't remember now. Um, we stayed that night, and I've never ran into this before, but they had a siren go off in town. I think we stayed in a little town north of Park Falls. It's called Butternut. Yep. And at like ten o'clock a siren goes off and come to find out it's a curfew siren. I've never heard of a curfew <laughs> siren. Wow. <before.
3: laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> they had a curfew siren. I do remember that. And we met some local guys at a cafe bar. Um they was just telling us little pointers about you know the area and stuff like that so the next morning we just get up and hit the road and start driving looking for grouse cover what we thought that where a grouse might hang out um find one little place that looked little service road that looked grown up looked like it didn't get beat down a lot and just parked right there and went walking through the it was pretty mature pine trees a lot of um a lot of undergrowth underneath, probably head high, maybe a little lower, some place a little higher, and uh, I think carbon bumped. Well, uh, I think he actually um, bumped the grouse, and Dad it went by Dad, and he pulled the trigger and dropped it. So we got our. He got his first grouse ever, and we got ours first one in the bag. On the yeah, board. Um On the board. The monkeys off our back. It can they be do done. <laughs> <laughs> they do exist. They do exist. Yeah. Um man, they are they're just an awesome bird to hunt. I fell in love with
2: them. I really did. Um Yeah, I don't know about these
1: Georgia ones.
2: And what I found was crazy. You know, you're just walking, and all of a sudden you hear this doo doo -doo, like this wild flush, and (laughs) it it got to be where it like at first it would spook the hell out of me, you know, and then it got to be where I was just like I went into like Rambo mode as soon as I heard it, just trying to look for the wild flush on where it was going, (laughs) so that we could get (laughs) it,
0: we could try to follow it wherever it went. Thunder chickens. I think
1: uh, I think I posted on one of my. my days that I post on Carbon's page um, that I need to know where to send the pruning bill to, to, to the <laughs> Wisconsin Ag Department, because I've pruned a lot of trees.
3: Yep, you'll um, do
1: that. And and, and if there's, there's no shot there, there's no hope, right? That's, oh. that's my mentality. So, I was shooting the 20 at first, but I I couldn't get it done with the 20. I don't know. Maybe if I had a really broke grouse dog. I could do it, um, but I don't. Uh, and all the birds were really, a lot of them were farther out and through vegetation, so I switched to the 12. Reluctantly, I really wanted to get it done with my 20, but I broke the 12 out and ended up getting my first grouse. Um, pretty awesome experience. It really is to chase something so long and to want something so bad, and then it finally happens, then what? You know, it's then you uh-oh. eat them. Yeah, then you eat them and want another one.
0: Oh yeah! Once you <laughs> eat one, you're like, all right, now I'm going after more. So, did you take Man, that one? Good. Did you take that one over a
2: point?
1: No, Mm-mm. no. Look. I think our first three. I think carbon only had one solid grass point. Okay. Out of the probably five—I don't know how many grouse we shot in those in that in that time. I would say probably five grouse is what we got, maybe six. Um, he got one solid grouse point out of all of it, and I thought it was a woodcock um, just because it was a point. Um, cut over, real open underneath, pretty much um, like a like a hardwoods cut over type a lot of dogwood trees it seemed like in there um and he's and he's locked up on point and i walk up thinking i'm gonna flush this woodcock and i actually come around him he's he's at point and i go around nine ten eleven o'clock and the bird comes up and it's like oh my lord (laughs) don't miss (laughs) um And I, and I did, I missed the first shot, but he was, I got lucky and he come through another opening and I shot and way out down through this, these thick oak trees, I see him just fall. I don't know how he fell, but I must've got a pellet in there somewhere.
2: Now, are you still in Wisconsin at this point or have y'all moved on to your next spot?
1: No, that's Park Falls.
2: Okay. In Wisconsin. Yeah.
1: Um, then from there we we grow up we go up to, Brule. Am I saying that right? Or am I butchering that?
3: I don't Brule. know.
1: I haven't okay. heard of that one. Well, Brule is it's the Brule River. Um, it's known for trout fishing, and and that was my goal. Was when I started researching everything is to camp and maybe float down the Brule and do some trout fishing and that sort of thing, and grouse and woodcock hunt during the day, but it's just so much rain. Um, the river was blown out, and camping in a tent and pouring cold rain is, well, it didn't sound too fun. So we just stayed in hotels. We we hunted in rural one day. Um, it's a beautiful place, and um, to my knowledge, there's a famous grouse hunter that wrote novels about hunting that area. I don't know who that was, but probably someone out there does but uh um, we've been with that that day we walked a good bit that day then we just got in the road and started um it started pouring rain that day so we just started moving north northwest into minnesota
0: all right so you're on to your next spot minnesota wisconsin you go there you Have a lot of luck on Woodcock. You figure out grouse is a different story. It's a learning curve for dogs. I mean, dogs, they can learn a lot from Woodcock, but grouse, it's a a different ball game for dogs. And uh, they get there, but they just need contacts. So you go to Minnesota, and you get out in the woods of Minnesota and describe the first hunt there.
1: Minnesota was a lot I've never been there before. Um I've flown into Minneapolis, Saint Paul and driven to Fargo, but I've never been in northern Minnesota to where it looked like a lot like I see on T V that Canada has, you know, the bogs and the deep fir forest. Um it's a beautiful place too. Um we stayed in Reamer. We um we started out in Remer and found a little hotel there and uh, talked to Hotel owner Steve, and got to become buddies with him and uh he started telling me where other people' had success and stuff like that, and pointed out some places on the map, so we just got up the next morning drove through the forest and started looking for places that looked like it might hold a grouse. <laughs> That's one um, way to do it, yeah, I mean, I didn't know no other you know what I mean um we did, you gotta learn somewhere.
2: How, how did you pick Reamer of all places in Minnesota? Was it just had you had someone referred that place to you, or is it kind of like, hey, we ran out of gas right here. Let's just let's just set up shop. <laughs> no, I, I follow um, Pine
1: Ridge Grouse Camp on Facebook. Yep, and they're they're um, I guess they're a little bit west, maybe a little southwest of Reamer. So um, I knew that area held grouse. Um, so that's all I knew. So we just drove there. Um, I, I, all along, I was trying to make my way to Midway, Minnesota, because I had a surprise for Dad. Um, so we just I just kind of kept, you know, instead of going way out of the way up north, I really wanted to go further up north just to see all of that. And hindsight, I probably wished I would have. I do wish I would have, but storms came in, rained two two days there, or they were calling for rain two or three days. So after a week or so of hunting in Reamer, we moved out of Reamer.
3: Well, but, how um, how was we the hunt there?
1: Yeah, that's, um, I didn't want to leave from there on my story yet. So it was it was great. Um, we had a good time. Tough. Um, a lot of it's a lot of blowdowns climbing over lines and i mean it's heaven to a grouse hunter but um carvin found his first porcupine
2: (laughs) yep how did that go for you did you have to do an emergency vet visit like me i had the same thing happen this year in wisconsin
1: you wasn't the guy that was the vet was telling me about that came in three days in a row were you
2: no thank god no not at all okay
3: <laughs> the
1: vet told me that someone brought in a GSP that um that was there three days in a row.
3: Good God!
1: <laughs> yeah, not me. I I, mean, I'm I hoping mine only went once.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping mine learned from the one experience. We we won't know until next year, probably. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, I
1: don't I don't know that car. Well, he he did point several others, um, so I think he learned a lesson.
3: Um, and if he if he
1: came up behind one in the woods and the thing took off running, he might barrel roll it. Um, that's just that prey drive in him. But yep. um, where well, he would find them in hollows, you know, in, in trees and stuff like that, and point. And every time he did, I would tell him no, and um, and we'd move on.
3: Um,
1: and so I. I don't think in the future he'll, I I don't know, you know, it's knock on wood and I don't want to jinx it. But I, I, I hope I never have another run in with a porcupine. Those things are not
2: fun. Not at all. So what did you end he, um, up finding? Actually, do what?
1: He actually brought it to me. Um, <laughs> oh, my, I remember seeing the off. picture
2: of this. Did you take a picture of that and post it?
1: I was videoing. Um, yeah. I wear a chest protector, like a, chest harness that holds my my cell phone so i can just flip it down and hit record um so my my alpha goes off is and it i look and it's at carbon on point 88 feet that way and it's it looks kind of like a tornado might have came through this area i don't know if it had or not but there was a lot of blowdowns a lot of trees laying down and so i just went to climbing over trees and i'm headed that way and um I look up ahead of me, and he's coming towards me. And I see something in his mouth. I was like,
3: "What in the world
1: is that?" So I leaned down to hit record and pulled the thing back up. And I was like, "Is that a coon?" And then all of a sudden he got close. I was like, "Oh my god, it's a porcupine!" Oh, so, and tail wagging. Retrieved the hand. He's like, "Yeah, <laughs> I took it from him. Um, I I pulled him out. I, I grabbed. my only thing I could grab was his claws. His little." Paws are sticking out, and I reached down, grabbed its little front claw, and pinched its toenails. And I said, "Out!" He spit it out, and when he did, it's—I mean, it, it, it wasn't pretty. Uh, <laughs> he a, had them. Um,
0: that's a testament to your force fetch program, right there. <laughs> um
1: He he had them everywhere—all um, in between his teeth, his gums, his tongue, his roof of his mouth, the back of his throat, everywhere. Um, so I just, in hindsight, I would tell everyone, get you a one inch down, probably eight inches, drill you two holes through it, run your rope through it and throw it in your pouch. Um, I had seen that before I left and I regretted not having it because I just threw my hand in the back of his back molars and held my hand back there. So he would hold his mouth open because he was just trying to scrape them all out with his paws. Uh Uh-huh. So, um, and I didn't want to get them broken off so bad, so I just held his mouth with my hand. I stuck my hand in there, and he's trying to chomp down the whole time, and it was chaos. Um, I got my pliers, Leatherman, and started pulling quills, and I learned that a pair of pliers with little small teeth
3: aren't worth a flip
1: for pulling out porcupine quills. Oh. Because the quills would get in between the ridges and yeah. just slip. And they almost need flat pliers. But um, I pulled out, I pulled and pulled and pulled and kept screaming for Dad. He was trying to make his way to me. He finally gets there and helps me hold him, and we finally get his mouth pretty much all cleared out. I tried to make sure the inside of his mouth was really as good as I could get it. And then we just hightailed it to the car. We had probably about a mile walk to the car, and we get in the car and go to see the vet. That's Great Grant, Great Great Falls, maybe Minnesota. I mean, um, yeah, Great Falls or something like that. And yeah, three hundred ten dollars later, I'm out the door. And we oh, hunted him that afternoon. <laughs>
2: Did they find any more at the vet that, that you'd not um, taken oh, out? Oh,
1: yeah. they. I mean, all around his muzzle, in his beard, you know, he's got the beard. So that oh. was his most, that was the, the hardest for me to pull out. That's one reason I went ahead and took him to the vets because I couldn't distinguish whiskers from quill <laughs> with the pliers. And he was not a fan of me pulling his beard hair out. There's yeah. a beard. So. <laughs> took him in and they sedated him and pulled him uh pulled i I only found two that the vet missed under his chin and they were only sticking out on on this side probably maybe a 16th or so eighth of an inch i could just feel them you know with my finger to my thumb tip so i just leaned him down held his mouth shut and got my lips and i could feel and I could just bite it with my teeth and just pull them out. And when I pulled them out, they were they were longer than a penny, um, oh, yeah. sticking up through the bottom of his tongue. So I'm glad I was able to get those out. And I was told I would find other migrants, but I never did. I would check his, I would check, I'd rub my hand in his tongue and his gums um, everywhere, almost every night after the hunt, just to feel for anything. But never felt another
0: one. Well, you mentioned the uh, dowel that everybody should throw in their uh, pack, but like you said, the pliers—they don't really help all that much. I mean, they're better than nothing, but what we found—I mean, we we use the hemostats that they come in mm. a lot of first aid kits, but you can get them at Tractor Supply or, or Walgreens or whatever, and they they lock in and grip a heck of a lot better than just regular pliers.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love to have something a little better than my multi-tool um yeah i could see where hemostats would be a big benefit you can be more precise with them too and reach farther in
0: well so you got through the porcupines you're still in minnesota and everything uh can you talk to was there a big difference in the habitat and just the cover that you're hunting from minnesota and wisconsin
1: yeah um it, it's a, it's a good bit different uh lot oh there's a lot of a lot more bogs in Minnesota a lot of water um and a lot of moss and spruce trees it is it's, it's, it's all, it, it is a lot different world than Wisconsin um but there's pockets that look the same I and mean, there's aspen groves and you know, stuff like that, that I loved, I loved hunting Minnesota, um, after the porcupine incident, we, as we were leaving, um, Reamer, we stopped at one more place, and dad and I split up, and we made a circle, and and Carmen, he only, he's a one-man dog, he stays with me everywhere I go, if I turn, if, if we branch off, he will not go with Dad. He goes with me. Um, so, Dad would, Dad would walk a lot of the roads by himself. And Dad and I hunted in Kansas, you know, a couple of years. And I'm, I, I'm younger. I'm more high strung than Dad. So, I would, I would go and push a draw as he keeps moving forward. I would turn off and go another way just because I would walk a whole lot more than him. Oh. Um and I always felt bad because I would leave dad just trying to jump shoot something. So I I um I wanted dad a dog. I wanted uh dad to have you know a dog with him if I went my way. And dad grew up uh, him and his brother, they back then in Georgia, you could walk out of your door and find quail, you know, eight or 10 coveys before dark.
0: Good old days.
1: Um the good old days. And dad's brother, Uncle Jimmy was a a big bird hunter and uh actually he had a a drop, um a setter and a pointer mix, English pointer
3: yeah. and a setter mix.
1: And one of his buddies, uh he uh he talked Jimmy into doing a field trial one day. And Jimmy was just a hunter. Um didn't you know, I don't think he ever cared about the field trials, but after a lot of persuasion, Jimmy signed Boots up into the field trial and actually won the field trial. And he ended up taking Boots all the way and winning the state. Um, and so and but Boots looked like a setter. I always, you know, thought of Boots as a setter, but he did have English pointer in him. But um so I wanted to get that a setter. So before my trip, before I left, I started researching places and just looking for available dogs along our route. And, um, I found a lady in midway, Minnesota, Kyla Butler. Um, Hey Kyla, be out there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) real nice. Um, great people. Um, and I actually put a deposit down on a little female,
3: uh, just,
1: they told me they didn't have any males available and I, but I really wanted a male and I wanted a started dog because we were already on the way and you know, you might as well have something you can hunt with. Absolutely. Uh, so, so, um, uh, but the only thing I could find was a six month old little female that really had no, just very, very little exposure, you know? Um, uh, When I showed up, uh, they they let the dad had no idea. Um, He thought we were going to stay with them that night, and I told him that we had I had met a lady on Facebook who was going to take us grouse hunting in the morning. So when we pulled up at their house and their kennel, he said, "So we're staying here tonight." And I said, "Yeah, we're going to stay here tonight, and uh, she's going to take us grouse hunting in the morning." Oh, okay. So. We pull up and, uh, you know, meet her face-to-face finally and uh, go in their, in their barn and their kennel and, or oh, it's like set her on her heaven in there, um, <laughs> dog, <laughs> dog zipping and barking, and she lets the little puppy out, and I actually put my eyes on it. I'm like, oh, no, this one's not going to keep up with us, you know, um, <laughs> much less you know, it it just wasn't. It wasn't what I envisioned. You know what I mean? I wanted, I wanted to start a started dog. Yeah. Um. So I got to looking down the line, and I I saw a male standing there up on the fence with his front paws up on the fence, and, and I asked Josh. I said, "Is he for sale?" And he's like, "That's my derby dog." And um.
3: Well, how much you I want said, for well, him? <laughs> 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 he's about to be my it's derby dog. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's what he, he said no. Nah, he's not for sale, <laughs> and I said everything's for sale. <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, you know, Benjamin's talk. So, Dad um, is a proud owner of a eight month old started English Setter named Scooter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I,
0: how how and, do you do? You just walk up to him, and say, "Here you go." What what was his reaction? Um, uh, you
1: know, he. he the whole time we we're just going to go grouse hunting with this lady in the morning, and these are all her dogs. So, uh, but as my eye wanders towards Scooter, uh, and I start throwing numbers around, uh, Dad's like, "I'll do it," you know. Yeah. And uh, we, um, Kyla, throws out a number, a cash number, and I say, "I'll do that." Dad's and I said. Dad, there's you a dog. <laughs> he said, Oh man, are you kidding me? And and he just I don't know, he just went into shock. Um he's immensely grateful. Uh and absolutely loves Scooter, like I mean, he just he's got him whooped. If if a dog can get dad to spend money on <laughs> <laughs> GPS collars and that sort of thing He's, uh, you know he's yeah, into it, he's, yep. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we got scooter and
0: carried on with the rest of the well, trip.
1: We did, and uh, you know, hindsight's always twenty-twenty. Uh, I knew I was going to buy a dog, and I should have went ahead and bought a GPS collar for that dog. I didn't. When I was around a place that sold GPS collars. Because at that point we were a good ways from anywhere that sold a GPS collar. Yeah. And the next day when we um woke up and we're over I don't even know where we're at on this point, but we're over on the western side of Minnesota. And um we woke up that next day and went hunting and Scooter, I mean, he's a he's a trialer, um you know, he would he'd hit the woods running. Cover ground. So um yeah, covering ground and this dog didn't know us and I was scared to death, um, with the dog <laughs> yeah. loose. Yeah um he has a bell on, orange vest, I mean everything but a strobe light, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um my ears they ring constantly. I have to I have a smell bad, I can feel the god shots. Stuff like that, but um, have taken their toll on my ears. Once he got so far, I could not even hear the bell. And I would just start hollering, scooter, scooter, and I was a nervous wreck the whole time. So (laughs) uh, he did. I did. He bumped the grouse. I don't know if he pointed it because he was just down the rise just a little. And I don't know if he pointed and the grouse flushed or if he just bumped it. I do not know. But all I know is a grouse got up and came right over me, and I missed it all three times. <laughs> Probably the easiest grouse shot I've ever had. And um, I guess it was just that wanting to so bad. But, um, and there comes Scooter up the hill right behind it. now. Uh, so he he um he did put a grouse up for me that I was unable to connect on, but I was a nervous wreck the whole time he was on the ground. So I just decided let's let's go to Fargo and go get him a collar. There you go, <laughs> <And> that's <So laughs> that,
0: that's great. So you got you got Scooter, you got another dog in the truck with your old man, and you're headed to North Dakota. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's a great place to wrap up for this first episode and uh we we're going to continue on next week with your with the other stops in your trip and making it back home.
1: Excellent. So, well, I've had fun telling my story.
0: Yep. Well, we'll be right back with you and we're going to finish this story out here here in uh next week. So, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for joining us.